And I think what's what's fantastic, which I particularly enjoy. I mean, you you tend to get the big big musicals in town, which that you know, um, massive receiving houses that can cope with them, and particularly if you, you do things like with that with Shrek or. Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Back to the Future where they have some big electrical big, yes. projectile extravaganza. But actually, when they're close up in a small space, I find them almost more impressive mm. because you literally sort of, you get the heat of talent, really. Where, you know, when somebody's belting out a number, but it's hot and sweaty and... Very close you know, I, to you. I love it. You, it feels more visceral somehow. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm, I was very struck in Edinburgh how many musicals there are. I yeah. mean, how many new, and and all the time, you know, working for what's on stage, all the time, new musicals are being written and people are rushing off quite excitedly to previews and and you know, small small runs, um, yeah. so that they. they they feed back into what the show. Yes. And I, I, I'm fascinated by the kind of vitality of the musical form, which you, at some levels, you know, you, you feel <laughs> might have died, but kind of constantly has the ability to reinvent itself. Yeah, and also, I mean, you know, as a performer, you, you, you sort of, you do what's on the page, but it's the world that decides really that a type of music fits into one genre or another. And you think of like the stories, the popular stories that Mozart based his operas on. I mean, they would fit very easily into musicals Musical now, format. you know, because yeah, they yeah, are popular. True. They're good, solid stories, yeah. and and the and the music that he wrote is memorable and gorgeous, and loads of sort of a cappella stuff. Which you think about the a cappella stuff, even that we watched that we've seen this week, you yeah. know. I, I love that. I mean, I think one is always fascinated by things. There's no way on earth that you could do yourself. <laughs> yes. But I just think I love it because it looks effortless. But the work and, and the musical understanding, both by the performer and, you know, the lyricist and, and, you know, the composer is just so gorgeously brilliant for, you know, for Indeed, want of a better yeah. word. It is brilliant because yeah. it's so clear in its intention. Um and yeah. I love it, yeah. yeah. No, it's so interesting. Let's say hello. So it's hello. Hello, <laughs> hello, hello. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of As the Actress Said to the Critic with me, the critic, Sarah Crompton. And with me, Nancy Carroll, the actress. And we're talking about musicals yeah. because we've been to see um, Next to Normal at the Dommel Warehouse, small space, interesting. Yeah. Um, Hugely popular uh, musical that's taken a long time to get over. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it. I was quite. I was interested in that. Is it pre-COVID? Well, it's it's pre-pre. I mean, it's. I think it's two thousand and nine that right, it comes right. onto Broadway. So it's taken a very long time to get to the UK, and people have wanted to see it for a long time. Oh, that's interesting. So, um, because it um, won a Pulitzer <gasps> for the book, which is by uh, Brian Yorkey, yeah, and a yeah. Tony for the whole show, which is music by Tom Kidd. Yeah. So it's been one of those shows that's kind of been lurking in America and we haven't seen it, so we've just been to see it. Yeah, no, it was amazing. And um, thank you for taking me, because, it, you know, it is hard to get into shows at the Donmar. You know, there's stuff that I've wanted to see uh, you know, over the last few months, and and every time we go back, it is such a fantastic space. Yeah, you know, it really is, and it and 
musicals sit there so well. I mean, I've seen a few over the years. I what I really, really wish I'd seen the Merrily We Roll Along with Dan Evans yeah. and Sam, Sam Spiro did all those years ago. But I have seen like Parade and Grand Hotel and um Okay, I always forget Grand Hotel is there. Yeah. Yeah. But it but it is you know, as Sweet Charity. Said, Josie did Sweet yeah. Charity there, which I like very much. Um, oh, City of Angels, of and course. City of Angels. Um, yeah. But it just, yeah, it, it lends itself very, very well. And also I think sometimes when people play around with that space and use the double height of it, you know, it's great for the uh, the circle. Yeah. Because sometimes you can feel a bit cut off from performances if they if they don't use those two levels but they but they used it brilliantly with for the live musicians yeah this was, it was really clever so it's it's a show that is about i mean it, it constantly wrong foots you and actually a lot of its um pleasure is in the surprises it, it yeah kind yeah. of yields but it doesn't give anything away really to say it's it's it starts off you think it's going to be like a sitcom about uh, a slightly dysfunctional family yeah and you know with a clever teenage son and a, a daughter who's a genius and a freak and a boring husband and a mom who who um, is kind of holding it all holding together? Holding it all together. Yeah. And then suddenly, within the first song, you realise that she isn't holding it all together. Yeah. And that in fact she's suffering from bipolar illness. And so from that point, it then spins off in all kinds of different yeah. directions. And it, I thought it was really clever that um, Michael Longhurst has directed it, and the the it actually is unstable in how you see it yeah so that it's he puts in a revolve and yeah. as you said the, the the musicians are on the upper part yeah. of the set and so the the cast walk through the musicians which is already kind of a, a level of unreality but also the kitchen keeps spinning around which you yes. feel is i thought that was really clever how they did that yeah um and yeah i think it i yeah i mean as you say it's sort of it was surprising and in lots and lots of ways. And I think it's very interesting as well, you know, you know, when stuff comes across from America and there are two American performers in it. Um, and I wonder about those sort of cultural shifts, you know, when we, we always have to think about w where the playwright came from and where it was first performed and the impact of that first performance and the sort of, you know, um, the sort of idiosyncratic language, and there is definitely an idiosyncratic language around medication and antidepressants that the Americans are probably about 25 years ahead of us. Yes, yeah. You yeah. know, and that, you know, for years everybody joked about the, the, the Americans took Valium like we drink white wine or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, and, I, and perhaps post-COVID... You know we're more, we're more on an equal footing because there are yeah. rocket number rocketing numbers of people on antidepressants in this country. You know, which is a, another conversation. What I loved about it was about you know the way in which we're very quick to medicate as opposed to talking about what actually might be the problem. Yeah. Um. You know, and the the whole question around what is happiness and what is healthy mental states and and all of that. And I think. Because post-COVID, that, that is a big question at the front of everybody's minds. You can sort of see why there's suddenly an audience for it in this country and why now is actually the perfect time. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously, uh, I mean, when it first came out in, the, in America, I went back and looked at the reviews. There are a few things I want to say about writing about it, actually. So I went back and looked at the original reviews um, after we went, because I yeah. tend to like to see things afterwards. And um, 
Frank Rich, who was then the New York Times critic, he's yeah. retired. He came up with this idea that it wasn't a feel good musical, but it was a feel everything musical. Yeah, oh, I like that. Of, yeah, yeah, which I think is clever, and it sort of spawned a genre of what of which um, dear Evan Hansen would be yeah. an obvious. And um, everyone's talking about Jamie. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. That, exactly that. And well, everything everyone's talking about Jamie seems to be more. British at some levels, oh, so right, that, okay. sort of that American genre of of musicals that deal with sort of mental illness, okay. difficulty, identity, in identity in a yeah. particular way, and have got a seriousness. And I suppose oh, it's, it's so difficult talking about it. But if what I felt about seeing this show was that I understood why it had taken a bit to get over because though I loved it and yeah. I utterly adored the production in particular and I thought the performances were um, astonishing yeah. from you know Cassie Levy who um, had done it who is a Broadway star and then Jamie Parker who was the oh. husband who's our star yeah <laughs> and who was oh, swoon swoon and heartbreaking <laughs> as well just so foul yeah and brilliant performances from the kids and yeah. it was all just so well done but I actually had some difficulty with the music, right? Because it's incredibly sort of insistent as a, a as a kind of rock musical. Yes, and yes. though it's got sort of, I mean, it's good music, but it, it's quite insistent, I suppose it is. And, yes, and yes. I kind of kept thinking, oh, I'd, I'd love the show if it didn't have songs, which is a very odd place to end yeah. up with with a musical. Although, although I think the music, you know, from my very sort of layman point of view I think that um what the music was able to do was create another level to the reality so you were able to enjoy the reality of, of knowing in those moments when somebody was on their own on stage or whatever that the minute that somebody the other characters entered they were having to put on they were presenting in some way so the music enabled that presentation yeah. of emotion or happiness or dysfunction or teenage anger or you know whatever it was it it was a way of creating that sort of another derma that's very true actually that yeah so that and it, and, and of course it, it accesses things music does access things yeah. incredibly swiftly doesn't it yes but also you know it's very superficial to say but that very um sort of american cliched sort of hi how are you how's your day and you know that it's it sort of it played into perhaps a very sort of English generalized understanding of American sensibility, you know, and um, and it is a, it for want of a better word, it has that sort of veneer quality, which I think that the the musical genre lends itself to um, in that way. And I thought that that um, the way that they were able to sort of tell the story within a story within a story by having the, you know, there's different, you know, by having the musicians visible, by playing, you know, to the audience who understood the entire story and then, you know, various characters that we, who played various roles within the story. I don't want to give away too much. I sort of was about to say something and I thought, <laughs> no, that's a massive spoiler alert. Um, but but it, I, I sort of, I did get lost in it. I suppose what, lost in, what, in it, in, in the sense of being engrossed in it. Yeah, I was. Yes, uh, that's what yes. I'm trying to say in a very waffly yeah. way. Is I, yeah. I was completely lost in what they were doing. Yeah, and and also that that stage, like any small space, demands honesty and specificity, and and that was absolutely jaw droppingly 
there from from my point of view yeah. as a performer, thinking, wow. Yeah. Sort of knock your socks off. Yeah, that was the other that was the other fascination that within and and I think that was why I love the production so much. Within this kind of, you know, musical is such an artificial format because however you look at it, you have to break into song. And this has got mainly song. It's mainly sung through. Yeah, yeah. Like Dear Evan Hansen, like Caroline or Change, which I'd like to talk about. But what was so astonishing about it was how truthful you felt the performances were and how subtle they were, even when they were kind of belting out a yeah. song. And I thought that was astonishing and and. I totally agree that I was absolutely gripped by it and I loved I mean I really loved all the performances but um Jack Wolf and Eleanor Worthington Cox who played the younger ones yeah. I mean they the the older parts were kind of quite richly written you know the relationship between the husband and wife I felt you know there was a lot going on both because of her illness but also because of the way the story unfolds yeah. about how their relationship has developed and yeah. the interesting way that one person's um, illness will affect an entire family yeah the younger people's parts are much more sort of direct they're much more sort of stock and so I really felt that the truthfulness within those performances you just thought gosh these are such brilliant young actors and yeah. what a privilege it was to sit and and watch them really yeah yeah and and you know that they were the level of listening I think that's again that, that what you feel those spaces demand as well as a level of responding to each other that you've all absolutely committed to the whole there's nobody declaring independence you know and and I think, you know, what's interesting is that perhaps an older style format of musical has a bit more chat, but then you always know that there's a cue for a song yes, coming at any yes. moment. You know, like, what are you doing here? Oh, he's just back from town and then we're in too. You know, he's back from town, he's back from town. And, you know, and it's just, whereas actually there's something quite, I suppose, honest yeah. about the fact this is a musical, we're going to tell this quite extraordinary Story And it was interesting, I did overhear somebody in the interval going, can we just talk about what's just been, what's just happened yeah. in front of us? Uh, and there was a bit of that, that that you sort of thought, is there a danger if you add song to any level of trauma that the trauma is then uh, sort of sugar coated in yeah. some way? Or ultimately, does it sit with you more comfortably that actually the ideas sort of fester for longer maybe it's a cleverer way of asking an audience to deal with a tricky issue yeah you know that you could argue you could argue for both I think I think that's true and I think there has been a lot of debate around the fact of whether have how well it treats um mental health issues and uh grief and um thoughts of suicide and so on all of which are in there you know it's got a great, great list of trigger warnings um, and I agree with that. And I think, you know, that was also true of Dear Evan Hansen, which has very similar yeah. um, issues. And um, the the one I did want to talk about, which Michael um, Longhurst directed previously, Caroline or Change, yeah. which is, I think, an absolutely astonishing musical, but yes. which is essentially yeah. about racism in America and uh, in the 60s, told through the eyes of um, a, a singing maid in a basement who's, who sings to her washing machine. I mean, yes. it's the most unlikely thing to yes. be serious and searing and, you know, absolutely devastating. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet it was. I mean, it was absolutely made me 
come up short with its power. Yes. But I think also, I mean, you know, Carolina Change, I mean, I didn't see the last production. I saw the production before that, which they did at the National. Did they do one? Was it the National? I definitely saw it in a big space. That's no good for a podcast about (laughs) theatre. Stay with me. It will come back to me. um, But it also, I remember, made me think You didn't just see it when it transferred. Because it had a long run. It had a run in the West End. Oh, maybe that was it. Yeah, it would be it. They've only done it once. Okay, it was that one. So we're on the same page. <laughs> Marvellous. The, um, the, the, uh, the, it made me think of Little Shop of Horrors, yeah. which I did at university years ago, but I remember loving, loving the film, which again is a similar thing about, you know, it's the sort of down and out part of town with people who have absolutely nothing and it's an abusive relationship and all that. So, you know, that Audrey is in an abusive relationship and comes in every day with various arms in slings and bandages and black eyes and all the rest of it. But because she talks like that, we, we sort of, it's, again, it's, it's sugar-coated, yeah. but actually the reality of that story, which is very, very familiar, it's bloody awful, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and their, their great hope is this massive alien plant that then starts eating people. <laughs> yes. But like... Sets Ca- the world I know, I know. The, the, you know, like Caroline or Change, the 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 laundry ha- is personified. You know, and that actually the the plant is a personification has a has a, a voice of of sort of some. It's the sort of fighting talk of of what eventually will will pull people out of their sort of quagmire. Yeah. And in um, Rocky Horror, no, not Rocky Horror, um, Little Shop of Horrors, there are the three. Uh, not like the Supremes, I can't remember, the backing singers that sort of narrate the whole thing. Yeah. Which I seem to remember. There's also a similar in Carolina, Carolina Change. Change. Yeah, so there, there is the washing machine and the and the ironing board or something. I mean, yeah. Yes, so exactly, it is yeah. the laundry room that is, is animate and, yes. and comments on her relationship with her white employer, who was actually also played by Cassie Levy. So that's where, that's right. the link with this, apart from Longhurst. Yeah. Um, and, and it was just a devastating... Uh, Oh, I just thought it was a great piece of work. And I, I, what I wanted to talk about with this and with this just um, this week was that I found it very, I, I have been writing a lot because I've been at Edinburgh. And so, you know, you write lots and lots of reviews. Yeah. Um, but for some reason this week, coming back to London theatre, I kind of felt um, it was difficult to sort of gear myself up. And with writing, it was one of those moments writing about a show where at some levels, I'm, as I analysed it, I found that I, I liked it more and more. Right. So that when I came out of the theatre, when we came out of the Donmar, I, I kind of thought, oh, well, that was OK. Yeah. You know? And by the time I was writing the review, which was sort of at seven o'clock the following morning, I thought, God, no, that was so good, and that was so good, and this was so good, and I really like that. And so the things that I had had reservations about, which actually basically revolved around how heavy the music was and the drum kit, which I found a bit overwhelming, yeah. they they sort of faded as I wrote a review. And yeah. I think it's I think it's one of the most interesting things that sometimes in being forced to actually think and to analyse. Yeah. Though at some levels it, that can sometimes spoil your pleasure. It can also actually make you think about what it was that you valued in the in the thing that you'd just seen. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I find it, I, it was just sort of looking at myself from the outside in. I just yeah. thought it was really interesting. that. But I think it also, 
Is there anything, and I, and I pose this question not knowing the answer, in where we are and have been very used to very polished shows uh, in which there is very much a, a beginning, a middle, and an end, or as Joe found a new phrase recently, which is the beginning, a muddle, and an end, which <laughs> it's I think quite is quite nice. It's quite fitting. But um, when something is polished, as there have been a lot of very polished shows post COVID, because people have brought things back that they know worked before the pandemic, yeah. and, and then there was a sort of surety with that, and perhaps, perhaps. You know, we maybe there's a step or two out of that into experimental work again. Yeah. And that maybe experimental work, and I, that's not to do any of these shows a disservice because they were brilliant on lots and lots of levels, but maybe they're not as polished. Yeah. And, and maybe that que- makes you question things more, that there's a sort of, we're going to throw all these ideas together and we're going to put all these brilliant people in into a rehearsal room, and then we're going to create something, and then we're just going to put it out there. Yeah. And that that's not to say it isn't, you know, brilliant on lots and lots of levels, but it doesn't tell you what to think. Yeah, it is true, and and it is. I think it's interesting because really, what you mean by polish is that kind. Of, it's not polish as much as effects, isn't it? It's yes. like So, like Back to the Future, which I have seen. I mean, people love it because it's a brilliant, brilliant night out, and it's got huge effects, and the yeah. car comes out, and you know, it does look like the DeLorean, and it does come out into the auditorium. It's a bit like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang yeah, years yeah. ago, where yeah. you sat underneath a flying car, or Mary Poppins, where you know she flies, and yeah. and and those things are are absolutely, you know heartwarming heart raising you think they're wonderful yeah but shows like next to normal and um fun home which was set in a funeral home and again dealt with issues of uh, mental health and grief and sadness yeah um they are they are you're right they're 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 attempting something else they're sort of attempting that kind of a, a, a roughness of surface and of um, writing that is sl- it is different yes. than your classic feel good musical. So it, and it is asking that you feel everything. And actually, while we're thinking of that, two things straight. One is that the 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 Oklahoma that yeah. came um, recently and is just about closing the West End that came from Bard College in America and directed by Daniel Fish that turned feel good musical into a feel everything musical so because that was very much concerned with what was sort of lying under the surface and not at all concerned with effect in quite the same way but similarly with that production it doesn't it doesn't tell you what to think about the outsider and it doesn't tell you what to think about the community it presents them it gives you enough time to, to it gives you enough time to watch them and enjoy them and feel affinity with them in some kind and then watch the relationships be dysfunctional and then the play's over. Yeah. And then you think, oh, well, that's really brilliant because I'm not being told what to think. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And lots of audiences feel very safe being told what to think. And when it's all perfectly packaged, they feel really grateful that they've been sort of cuddled by an experience. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. I, you know, I think... Eventually, when we're moving back to this, I hope, a new state where people take risks again, yeah. it's really exciting because it's not clear cut yeah. and there are no solutions. And when you talk about 
dysfunction within society or dysfunction within how we medicate ourselves or dysfunction how we view mental health or view racism, there are no solutions because the problems still exist. And so, okay, let's write about that. The problems still exist. Here they are. This is a, a, a snapshot of how one family is dealing with it. And we can all relate to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And you're writing about it in a form that is is accessible and evolving. Yeah. And the, and the other thing I wanted just to mention before we we came to the close really was that the the thing I feel I, I have been back to Edinburgh just before the festival closed, yeah. and I had a, a very nice two days seeing uh, mates. But I also saw um, having moan that I hadn't seen a sort of piece of art that had made hairs on the back of my neck rise I went to see the Threatening Opera oh brilliant which was done by the Berliner Ensemble and <gasps> it was directed by Barry Kosky who is an Australian director who causes a certain amount of controversy because he's 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 about to do um a ring at Covent Garden which I think I might put to go and see yeah but he he's he's kind of sounds odd to say but he, he's sort of hyper theatrical Right. And how he'd set the Threatening Opera was he'd turn it into a cabaret, essentially. So it, it instead of being sort of all beggars and um, low life and, and wide kipper ties and 1930s Berlin, yeah, it yeah. was it was um, set in front of a, a sparkling curtain and um and then within a, a very tight series of frames which the uh, scaffold the, the the cast climbed up and down so that their their actions were always framed like photographs and it was incredibly stylized and i just thought astonishing really and some reviewers haven't liked it because they said that the um it wasn't sung perhaps as an opera but i thought how amazing it is to see it, you know, that something that was written in 1928 wow. really does still seem like the first piece of musical theatre. I mean, of a different form, not yes. opera, even though it's now played mainly in opera houses. Yes. It feels like theatre to me. It feels like something completely different. And perhaps that is because of its subject matter as much as anything. Yeah. But then you think of what Simon Stone did with uh, Yerma. That was a... You know, that was probably written, uh, I can't yeah. remember when Yerma was written originally, but I mean, yeah, he sort of pulled the rug from beneath that. Yeah. And we've, I mean, we've had conversations about revivals and, and stuff. It sounds to me like he's, yeah, he's, he's just done it, it with that. Yeah, he has. And he's just made it thrilling. And, and it made me understand Breck for the first time. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Which is a terrible thing to say. But, yeah. you know, you read about Brecht and you always think, you know, it's so kind of brilliant, his whole kind of thesis of what life is. I, um, you know, it has to be approachable. It has to reach the audience. Every single person yeah. has to feel that they, they can enjoy this piece of culture and that culture belongs to everybody. And then you go and watch Brecht and it's... It's hard work and you feel that slightly that you're being lectured at and that, um, yeah, that the form feels sort of difficult quite often. I mean, I have seen some good Brecht. But yeah. this made me think, it made Brecht seem, and vile, you know, the music is just astonishing. Yeah. But it made me suddenly think, oh, yeah, that was what he was doing. He was talking directly to me about the problems in society, the problems of life, the way that greed and 
money eat away everything yes. and they eat away love and they eat away morality and they eat away hope and he's doing that very very directly to me in an audience and I, it was a really great experience but I think that's that's the trick isn't it with rediscovering a lot of these this sort of great writing is that we are so quick partly through our sort of seeking out of comfortable genres and places of understanding it but but ultimately you know when when work is revived it has to be in a modern context it has to find a new context but we look for what is familiar we look for what we recognize and and but then because of that new context or new interpretation you hear the words you know often if it, the threatening opera is done traditionally it it sort of it becomes a sort of cloud of something, and we perhaps don't listen in the same way. Yeah, and that by putting it in front of a shiny curtain, you hear it suddenly yeah. for the yeah, first you suddenly time. Hear it. And 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 he was a massive activist in some ways, you know. And 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 actually, we come sort of full circle because I think you know it, it was fairly Brechtian having the musicians so prominent yeah like Oklahoma you know yeah. had their musicians exactly. prominently placed and and uh, Mike Longhurst put put the musicians very visibly as part of the performance um in in Next to Normal and that was a conscious choice about you're you're watching us hold our life together and you're watching this production yeah. work with every element of it you know and um and that is why it's so intensely involving. You're, yeah. you're absolutely right because it has got it does it it does that thing, and I think I really love it in theatre of both pushing you away and pulling you in. Yeah. So it says this is a show. Here are the musicians. This isn't a house, but the emotions that you're about to see in it, and the thoughts, and the, um, uh, uh, yeah, and the life that you're about to see in it is yes. something that's completely recognisable and absolutely yes. will tell you something about the world in which yeah, you live. Yeah, inner life, outer life, and then the theatrical world in which we're putting these ideas. Yeah. So it's on three levels, really. Yeah, it? I think it's very sold out, but I, I hope it does get a wider run because I think it is, a, and I think it is really interesting because I think it was the start of something. It, it, I suppose um, Jonathan Larson as well, which is another thing, but, you know, Rent and all that was the start of that idea yeah. of musicals that could cover everything. But nevertheless, I think this show was the start of a kind of great movement of um, musicals that are coming into Britain slowly, slowly, yeah. and that we'll perhaps see a few more of. So I hope people get a chance to see this one because I think it is. And it's also, a cracking production. It is brilliant, and they all pay homage to that to that history. You know, they all borrow, and you think of Jonathan Larson and how supported he was by Sondheim, and yeah. how inspired Sondheim was by him, and you know, vice versa. But that uh, you know, and and actually. You know the, the the time it took for people to understand how brilliant Sondheim was. Yes, you know there's how we we need time to percolate new ideas and and you know and it's sort of dog years often yeah. in theatre yes, and, and literature. You sort of think, but why don't people get it? And then five years later, you went, ah, oh, they get it now. You know? Yeah, and, and as a yeah yeah, and as a really concluding thought, I I really think that's true because I think that when I um started watching musicals, if if I'd had to put a bet on one form of theatre that might struggle, 
in yeah. the 21st century, it would have been the musical. Yeah. And then you, as you, absolutely, as you say, you get Sondheim and then you get Larson and then you get these uh, th- this this whole new generation who feel that the musical is such a vibrant form and capable of tackling anything. Yeah. And we're off again. You yeah, know, we're yeah. off. And, and now I would say it's incredibly vibrant. Yeah, spring. yeah. It's gorgeous. So we'll be seeing a lot in our theatre-going years. Yes. So. But perhaps, so. we'll, perhaps we'll stop here yeah. from that one. So um, it's goodbye from... It's goodbye from me, Nancy Carroll, the actress. And goodbye from me, Sarah Crompton, the critic.